This is Isaac Morehouse. Welcome to the podcast where we discuss education, entrepreneurship, big ideas, how to put them into practice in the real world, and above all, how to live free. All right, welcome back to another episode of Ask Isaac. Sometimes I feel like the better intro it needs me to say words in weird inflection that I wouldn't say in normal conversation. See, I don't know, something about this format, you need to get more interesting. At least that's what I tell myself. It, I don't know if it's working or not. <clears throat> so, Ask Isaac episode. Uh, first, before we jump into it, I want to say thank you again to Love, our production. I guess he'd be the producer. Love, you're the producer of this show. The production engineer, uh, marketing specialist, um, he does the show notes and the editing of the episodes and posting them to SoundCloud and the RSS feed. And the cool thing about this is that Lav and I have never met in person. Well, I got to think about that. Maybe we did a couple years ago. I think we might have at an event one time. Um, but for the most part, our relationship is entirely digital and Lav is in Serbia. Uh, pretty awesome. Pretty cool world that we live in. So great work, love. Keep it up. Thank you very, very much. Um, Second, I love getting questions and submissions from Ask Isaac. It's so fun. There's so much variety. It gives me a lot to think about, to write about, to talk about. Um, And it just makes me feel connected to other people out there. You know, it's fun to wrestle with questions together and to, you know, take a shot at answering and asking big questions in sort of a community of people who are doing the same. So if you want to submit a question, go to isaacmorehouse.com slash ask dash Isaac, or you can just go to isaacmorehouse.com. You'll see a tab that says, ask Isaac, submit your questions. And thus far I am batting 1000. I have answered every single question that has been asked, even the really crazy ones, the goofy ones. You can go back and look at episodes like, uh, the most embarrassing story. That was not one that I particularly wanted to answer. Um, and you can look at episodes, Ask Isaac episodes, where I talk about everything from cats to, goodness, Led Zeppelin, uh, you, you name it. So anyway, I prefer like questions with a little more meat and substance to them. But, you know, the funny ones are fun too. All right, so we've got three questions today that I'm going to address in the queue. Um, number one I'm going to punt on because I already answered it. I hadn't answered it when it was asked, though. Jeff Crichton asks, what is your viewpoint on God, the Bible, and Christianity? Have those influenced your worldview? Um, So I just posted last week an Ask Isaac episode about my religious beliefs. And that is actually one I had recorded months ago. And I just didn't feel comfortable airing it because I just don't like to put that out there in the public. Um, It's just an issue... I don't really, I feel like it's just a distraction. Like I have so much I love that I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about helping people become free politically, personally, educationally, uh, financially. I'm passionate about helping people realize their dreams, figure out what they are, awaken them and put them into practice. I'm passionate about helping people exit schooling and create their own education. I'm passionate about entrepreneurship. Those are things I want to talk about. I'm passionate about the ideas of liberty and free markets and and human freedom and, you know, stateless order. Those are things I want to talk about. I want to write about. Um, I, 
in my personal life am very fascinated by and it's very you know means a lot to me to explore and understand sort of ideas about god the universe religion life meaning but i don't feel like that's something i'm i'm uniquely gifted at and uniquely want to be known for and so whenever you talk about that kind of thing the minute you say oh i am a christian or oh i'm an atheist now you're the atheist libertarian or the christian entrepreneur or whatever it might be and it closes off a lot of people in ways that I'm just not interested in. So anyway, despite that, I did answer the question in last week's episode. You can go find it, Ask Isaac, Religious Beliefs. Um, but in short, yes, uh, God, the Bible, and Christianity have influenced my worldview. That's a slightly different twist on the question that, that I answered last week. Um, growing up in a in a religious and Protestant, evangelical Protestant um, home, sort of a traditional like Midwestern conservative. Um, it had a, it had a lot of influence on me in a very basic way, just sort of like good values of hard work and honesty and things like that. Yeah, but those can be found in most traditions um, and even in, in the absence of religious tradition. Most people value those things. Um, but the Bible specifically... So I wasn't just sort of like a Christian, like who went to church or whatever. I mean, I was really, really into Bible study. Um, I did like intense Bible study. I had the Hebrew, Greek, you know, keyword Bibles that I would, I would read, you know, all the original meanings of the different words and do these really in-depth Bible studies. Um, and I think the study methods and the habits of mind that I developed from from very serious Bible study and debate with different scholars and thinkers and theologians about the Bible and the various meanings. And there's so much conflict and so much room for interpretation and so much, everything from being a good, um, a good historian to a good logician, to a good, uh, literary critic, to a good, uh, someone who understands sort of cosmology and epistemology and myth and, and, um, psychology, there's so much because the Bible is such a complex collection of different styles of writing and everything else. There's so much required to be like to do really in-depth Bible study that I think that tremendously sharpened my thinking and my ability to just learn in general. Um, so that that had a tremendous influence on me and is still sort of influencing me as I go forward. In fact, just the other day, I just I was like, I haven't read the Bible in a bit, so I'm gonna I picked up and read the Book of Ecclesiastes and. Man, it's an amazing book. It's weird. It's fascinating. Um, there's so much in there. And uh, I think kind of digging in and, and being doggedly determined to get the most out of a text is a really interesting trait that I picked up from my upbringing. Um, so thank you, Jeff, for the question. Okay. Um, Tracy Boss says, I loved your commentary, Read More by Reading Less. Uh, it was a blog post I wrote recently. Um, any advice on how to keep the best ideas fresh from what you read. Um, my, hold on, let me get to the, the rest of the question was cut off here, but I'm going to get to it. Any advice on how to keep the best ideas fresh from what you read? My problem is I often encounter something I want to act on, but I can't act right away. Do you keep some kind of idea to-do list? Oh man, Tracy, this is, this is such a tremendous <laughs> problem. It's an exciting problem. It's a wonderful problem. When I'm reading, it's so bad that I'll pick up a new book. I'll be like half a paragraph into the introduction and I'll immediately be like, oh my gosh, I have all this insight. I have all these ideas. Oh, I should do this. Oh, I want to do this. And it's like, I can barely make myself sit down and read. So my, <laughs> my challenge is to do less documenting of the ideas that come to me and more just taking it in. 
and kind of feeding my brain and feeding my subconscious a ton of ideas and trusting that it's going to retain those ideas. And in fact, it's going to do things to them. It's going to bounce them off of other ideas that are sloshing around in there. They're going to marinate. They're going to turn into brain mushy goodness. And, and then they'll come out at the right time. And you know, you'll, you'll notice when you hear speakers or listen or read writers that just consume a ton of ideas all the time, it's never hard for them to get up and give a, a really interesting talk even if they didn't have time to prepare a lot because they just have so many ideas bouncing around in there. And it's not just like they're giving the same shtick you've heard them give many, many times and write about many, many times, um, even though that, that can be a fine method, but because they just have so much stuff that they've never actually written about or gotten out because it's just, they've just fed themselves more ideas than they've spit out. Um, and I think that's important, at least for me, to consume more ideas than I produce all the time because I want there to be a whole bunch of fuel bouncing around in the back of my brain. But that said, yes, I do document ideas. So this is especially reading, but especially when I'm, I I like to go for walks uh, on the beach. I live near the beach and I go for walks and listen to podcasts often um, while I'm walking and just all these ideas. And some of them are not even at all related to the topic at hand. It just, it's just consuming ideas like begets more ideas. They start flooding to me and I'm stuck there. I've got no pen or paper or whatever. Sometimes I'll record audio notes on my phone. But, um, so I usually write down, um, several of the ideas that I have. I take notes in the books that I have. Now I've got a Kindle. That's a little uh, different. I'm getting used to that, but, um, it helps that I blog every day. I cannot tell you how valuable that's been because it's a way for me to get those ideas out, express them. And it also means that I'll never forget them. Once I've written about something, I like never forget it. You know, I'll forget that I wrote it a year later, but the idea, it will seem really fresh. And I'll be like, yeah, this is a really fresh idea. Oh, wait a minute. I wrote about that. No wonder it's so fresh. And I'll go back and read. And the blog post is like, like every detail of it is still in my mind. Um, So that's incredibly helpful. It's also incredibly helpful in helping me identify good ideas while I read because I have to produce something every single day. I have to write a new blog post. Um, I've just become trained to identify stuff that I can write about because it's not always easy to come up with <laughs> to come up with something. Um, so that's huge. So often I'll be reading. I'll cut, they'll come in spurts, and I will go to my WordPress and I will go and I will create drafts of like. 10 different articles. And all I'll do is just usually put the title and a few scattered thoughts. And sometimes a book that I'm reading or a podcast I'm listening to will give me a whole bunch of ideas for blog posts and I'm not going to sit down and write them all. So I'll just go put them in the drafts. And anytime I have five to 10 drafts that are just titles and basic concepts, and then days when I don't have anything to write about, I can go pull up one of those and flesh it out. Um, I also have an idea list. Uh, James Altucher is really interesting on this. He says you should write down 10 new ideas every day and you will become an idea machine because coming up with ideas um, helps you become better at coming up with ideas and you'll get better and better at it and you'll be an idea machine. And I've practiced something akin to this, not so much in a disciplined way every day, but when I get ideas, I write them down. I've got everything from business ideas to creative ideas to ideas of things I might want to make, but mostly just ideas that I know I'm never going to get around to that I try to give away to other people whenever I can, whether it's business ideas or articles or whatever else. And not in a way that's like, hey, you should do this, man. Um, Because that never comes off well. But like, hey, here's a crazy idea. I just had it and I wanted to share it with somebody. And sometimes people think it's cool and they'll do something with it. Sometimes they won't. Um, But get those out, write them down, 
Um, write down the ones that you just that are just like burning in your mind. But it's okay to let a bunch of them just churn around in there because I have faith in my brain that if I keep pouring good stuff into it, it will do some magic back in there. It always seems to, and and um, it will combine it with other with other stuff. And at the right time, something will emerge. Uh, great book, one of my favorite books called The Act of Creation by Arthur Kessler. Um, talks a lot about this process of creation and how sort of the subconscious and the conscious mind work together to sort of bring ideas forth uh, when the time is right. And again, it's, it, it can be seen as sort of magical foo-foo, but it doesn't have to be. It, it, it's also very, very sort of um, logical process. Okay, great question, though. Um, final question from Anonymous. How, and maybe it's no, no coincidence that it's Anonymous, how do I convince my parents to let me do something other than college? We get this question a lot with people who are interested in praxis or just interested in opting out and creating their own path. Um, they know that college is just not going to do anything for them. It's boring. It's super expensive. They're not interested in sitting in a classroom and hearing things that they could learn on their own or things that they don't even care about from often professors who don't care, fellow students who aren't into it. I mean, there's just a lot of people, a growing number, who are just like, this isn't all that great. And all the social aspects, I can get those on my own. I can go to football games and parties and whatever. I don't, I don't need to enroll for four plus years to do this. But it's so much the dominant view among our parents' generation that, I shouldn't say our, I'm sort of in between, but um, that college is really like, that's just a signal that you're doing okay. It gives mom and dad something to brag about at the cocktail party with their friends. It's, it's kind of like if you grow up in a religious community and people say, how, how are you doing you know, with, with God? Are you, are you on the right track? And if you just say, yeah, I'm going to church. They're fine. They, like, they don't even actually, you could be going to church and be like horribly depressed or like doubting everything or totally unhappy. Uh, everything in your life is not going well. But to them, that's all they needed to hear. That signals that you're okay. It's a shortcut for them that makes them feel like good. To, you're good to go. And you could be like, you know, I haven't been going to church for about a year, but I've never been better. My spiritual life is really great. I've been exploring new ways to connect with God. And it doesn't matter what you say, they're going to be scared, right? They're going to be worried about you because that signal, that shortcut, going to church equals I'm you know, doing well spiritually or going to college equals I'm doing well in my life professionally or whatever. It, you know, maybe there was a time, I mean, that, that, that emerged for a reason where there, the correlation was so strong that it, that it made sense for people to sort of make that shortcut. You don't want to get to know everyone's life story. So it's like, oh, you're in college. Cool. You're good to go. Um, but that correlation is so poor and it's getting poorer and it's such a weak correlation and there's certainly no causation there. So you could say, oh, I dropped out of school. Um, but I'm working on a startup. I'm doing this fitness routine. I'm traveling the world. I've never been happier. I'm writing a book. And all they heard was I dropped out of college and they're just like, oh my gosh, you're sleeping on a park bench and you're a loser. I'm so depressed. I'm ashamed of you. And you could say, oh, I just uh, graduated. I'm about to graduate from a, a good school. And I'm having really dark thoughts and I hate my life and I don't know what I'm doing. I don't care about the job I was just offered. Uh, I'm depressed. My girlfriend broke up with me. And all I hear is, oh, you're about to graduate. Well, that's good. Everything else will take care of itself, right? It's this weird, weird thing. So it is very, very hard to convince your parents to let you do something other than college. I would give you a few thoughts. Um, first, I'm going to give you two blog posts to read that I think are really excellent on the Praxis blog, um, one by Zach Slayback and one by TK Coleman. So if you go to discoverpraxis.com slash blog, 
you can just search, uh, talk to parents or something like that. Search parents. And one is a note to young dreamers who don't feel supported by family and friends by TK Coleman. And the other one is how to talk to your parents about a gap year by Zach Slavak. And in, and in the one by TK, there's a quote that he opens with. If you want to truly honor your loved ones, go out in the world and live your absolute best and brightest. Make the most of that gift your parents gave you. And you have to be okay with the fact that they may always resent you for doing so. And you have to forgive them that resentment. I think that's a really powerful quote because the first thought when I read this question, how do I convince my parents to let me do something other than college, is you shouldn't be trying to convince anyone to let you. You are free to do what you want to do, especially once you're 18 plus. You don't need to have that permission-based mindset. I have to win them over. I have to convince them to allow me. You're free to do what you want to do. Now, once you acknowledge that, I'm completely free. I could just not go to college right now. I could leave home. I could pack up my knapsack and do whatever I want to do. I am utterly and completely free. There is no power or moral law in the universe that obliges me to do otherwise. Now that you have that freedom, now you can start talking about it in terms of costs and benefits. Okay, if I do that, what are going to be the costs to me? Am I willing to bear those costs? Are there ways to mitigate those costs? Um, then you can have an honest conversation about what you are willing to put up with. But you see how it puts the locus of control on you right away? No longer are you able to blame. Well, my parents won't let me. Well, that's irrelevant. You can do what you want to do. You may find that your real reason is, if I did it, my parents wouldn't support me financially, and I am not willing to live a lifestyle um, that's beneath you know, whatever amount of income and I don't believe I can bring that amount of income in myself without my parents' help. Now, that's an honest admission. And it's one many people don't want to be true of themselves. They want to be such rugged individualists that they're not willing to compromise their dreams just to have a certain amount of money or financial safety net. And so they tell themselves stories like, my parents won't let me. But that's not the truth. And the quicker you can identify the true reason that you're being held back, the quicker you can overcome it or work around it or work with it. Um, I do know people who truly care more about material comforts than going and pursuing something like that. And the quicker they can be honest with themselves about it, uh, I think the better they're going to be. So it's not about convincing them to let you do something. It's about deciding what's going to be the cost. If your parents are going to disown you, hate you, uh, not help you, not support you financially in any way, you have to determine what that's worth. Um, that's a pretty horrible thing. But you have to decide if that's if it's worth four years of doing something maybe that you mildly dislike, maybe that you absolutely hate, so that your parents are happy. And you have to ask yourself questions like, which matters more, your own happiness or someone's happiness with you? Um, and again, I'm not advocating like, yeah, screw your parents. Because I think at the end of the day, they want you to be happy. They're just always going to lack the imagination. Any other person besides you is going to lack the imagination to understand ways that you might be happy that they haven't thought of before. And only you can find those. And so the easiest practical advice I would have is to start small and say, hey, mom and dad. And again, don't approach it. Don't approach it like I need your permission. Mom and dad, I have been thinking, I've done it, you know, let them know that this is not some spur of the moment thing that you just like, you know, ate some Cheetos with your buddy and were like, I don't want to go to college. Like, mom and dad, I've been thinking, I've been doing a lot of reading, I've been doing a lot of just sort of examining my own life and priorities. I am going to take a gap year. 
whether you're already in college and you want to take a break or before you go, um, you haven't gone yet. I am going to take one year and I have very clear goals. I want to experience two different kinds of work, uh, paid work in that time. I want to live in two different cities or whatever it might be. I want to earn X amount of money. I want to gain whatever particular skill, uh, programming language. I want to become an expert on this or whatever. You've got a couple things that you say, I am taking one year to do the following things because it's really important to me. And I think if I don't do this now before I go into college and get sort of roped in on a path, I'm always going to regret it. I'm always going to wonder. Furthermore, here's a bunch of evidence and research that shows people who take a gap year or whatever else perform better in college and perform better after college, um, et cetera. So frame it as it's not this once in a, once for all. Frame it as just give me a year. And at the end of that year, we'll see where I am and we'll see what I want to do next. But I need this year. Now, if you want help from them, say, I would like to propose to you, you know, you were going to pay X for college. I would like to propose you pay less for that, but you help me in the following way and be prepared if they say no to be on your own and to do it anyway. Make up your mind how bad you want it and what you want to do and tell them in a non-confrontational way, this matters to me. If they see, if they see that spark in you, if they see through that this is so important to you, you've thought about it clearly, you're calm and rational about it, you're going to do it with or without them. This is like raising money for a company, by the way. The best pitch for an investment is this is what the company is doing. It's going to do the following. If you get on board, it can do it faster and you can benefit, but it's going to happen with or without you. It's so much better than, oh my gosh, I have this great idea. It won't go anywhere though. I need, I need your help so bad or else the whole thing is just not going to work. It's, it doesn't, it's not as strong of a pitch in my opinion. So anyway, I'm, this is what I'm going to do, mom and dad. If you can help me, it would mean I could do the following. If you can't help me, I'm going to have to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to have to get three jobs and whatever else to make it happen. And I'm totally prepared to do that. I don't want I don't want you to be unhappy with me. I want your support. I want to be able to lean on you. Open it up and, and remind them that if they shut you down, they're basically shutting down a, a line of communication and support to you emotionally. If you say, I want to be able to come to you if this is hard, if I'm struggling with it. Without you saying, see, I told you so. You should have gone to college. I want that. I don't want you to be to be upset at me for doing this. I understand if you are, but this is where I'm coming from. I think if you present it like that, you have the highest chances of the best results. Again, it's up to you what you want to do. You don't need permission, but you need to understand the costs and benefits you're willing to internalize and calmly, dispassionately share with your parents what it is that you want and have a clear idea, not just, I don't want to go to college because to them, college means you're, you're, you're making some kind of progress to you. Even if all you do is wander around for a year and do nothing that, that it's possible that that actually could make you more progress than college. But in their mind, if you at least say, I want to do X for a year or two years or whatever. And then at the end of that year, if they've seen you grow and change and you know, I don't need college. I've already got this cool job. I'm doing this and doing that. You should be like, hey, mom and dad, I've decided I'm going to take this further. You'll have more courage. They'll be more comfortable with it. By that time, it will be much easier if you can if you can get yourself to a position where they're excited about you having that one year. Great, great questions. Um, again, you can ask more at isaacmorehouse.com. Go to the Ask Isaac tab. Um, check out the blog posts on discoverpraxis.com. Um, how to talk to your parents about a gap year and, and a note to young dreamers who are not supported by family and friends. And Jeff, with the question about religion, check out the Ask Isaac episode I referenced earlier. Uh, much appreciated and look forward to the next episode.